Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast after a, a short hiatus. Uh, I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined by the uh, man in a really, really nice, fancy shirt there, uh, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how you doing? Great, Christian. Good to, good to talk to you again. It has been a moment, hasn't it? A minute. It has been a minute, and you've been all over the country. So, uh, where have your travels taken to you since the last time we spoke? I gosh, a few places. I've been to Oregon. I've been to uh, New York. I, just most recently in Ohio, and so we'll talk a little bit about some of that today. And then, the, gosh, just trying to get one last weekend in before we start to get cold to climb a mountain. I'm just going to be traveling a bunch starting. You know, this weekend I'll be gone for like two weeks solid, and I had to I had to climb one more mountain, Christian. Okay, well you got to tell us what what's the mountain that you uh, are climbing or just did climb? I just climbed on yeah Friday Saturday. I took two of my sons and daughter in law. We climbed Mount Nebo, and it is one of the toughest climbs. It, it's only nine point three miles out and back, but it was the the last two legs that you are climbing are just I mean sixty degrees straight up, no switchbacks, shale rock, very sharp. Uh, cliffs on both sides. If you're afraid of heights, not a not a great, not a great climb. But uh, eleven thousand nine hundred twenty eight feet. So it's the tallest mountain in the Wasatch Range, which is the mountain range that is right up against the uh, Salt Lake Valley, Provo. Uh, pretty much, th- that's the the mountain range that that most of us live next to here, and it's a beautiful mountain range. But that's the that's the tallest. It is my favorite mountain. Is that right? Uh, yes, ever since I was a kid, because you can see it from a long distance. Uh, if you are up, I mean, if you're at the airport in Salt Lake, you can see Mount Nebo on a clear day, and it's like 80 or 90 miles away from the airport. Right. And then when you're coming from the south, I mean, it is the anchor of the Wasatch Range, and that's the first of uh, that's the first mountain that you see, and so it's always been my favorite. So. Uh, I, I've never dreamed to climb it, but I, I, <laughs> I certainly enjoy driving past it. And uh, you know, and then behind the mountain, you've got all that Payson Lakes area and everything. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, really, it's, really it's beautiful. beautiful up there, and the view is just amazing. So you, once you get up there, you can see over Utah Lake all the way into Salt Lake, and you can just see everywhere. And we saw a herd of probably twenty mountain goats, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's fun, and it's it's challenging and you know it's just something i love to challenge myself with so what about you what's what's been exciting with you well on saturday i had an opportunity to uh, give a presentation actually two presentations on life stories uh with one of our colleagues from uh, national speakers association kathy loveless who invited me to come and uh, speak with her about family stories and uh, that was awesome. It was wonderful to hear her story. Yeah, it was great. And on Wednesday, so tomorrow, the day after we're airing this, uh, I'm doing a webinar online as a kind of a follow-up to that because we had a short period of time to actually get into the details of Raconto, our storytelling software. So that was a really, really fun thing that uh, happened over the weekend and uh, super excited to help people uh, capture and, and share their life stories. You know, it's interesting that you were talking uh, about stories, that uh, stories are so central to our culture, to our lives, to our businesses. 
and to our success in in team performance and everything. I, I, you and I were just talking before we got on about the work you're doing with the organizing committee in France and actually capturing stories. Tell tell us a little bit about what you were doing. Right. So as part of my remit, I guess, with the International Olympic Committee, I have the great privilege to interview the various department heads and managers in the different host cities who are organizing the games. And uh, right now we are interviewing people in Paris as they're in the middle of their preparations for the Paris 2024 Olympic and Paralympic Games. And uh, it's, it's fascinating to hear the stories that uh, they share uh, for better or for worse uh, they're not public knowledge uh, all of this is used internally by the IOC and how to do they share... use it? what's that and how do they use that internally so they they take all of these interviews that we do and uh, up through today we have more than 1500 of these interviews and they make them available on, on a, a searchable online platform so if you're uh, a future host, say Los Angeles 2028, and you want to hear uh, or learn what your predecessors did in Paris, in Tokyo, and in Rio, going all the way back to the 2016 games in Rio, you can actually go on and you can you can watch those interviews and you can search specifically for you know different responses to questions. For example, if you wanted to just go look at the question where they shared three pieces of advice with future organizing committees, you could do that. So uh, it's a tremendous resource for the future hosts to learn from their predecessors, but it is kept within the Olympic movement and is not made available to the general public. Well, and I think one of the reasons why this is so important is just how we as humans assimilate information. We don't readily accept data we we understand things in stories and how they relate to each other and so getting good at storytelling is a way to connect with your constituents with your team members to create greater engagement it's so it's it's such a powerful skill and sometimes people struggle with that because like well why do you know what why do I need to tell a story? Because that is what's going to create a, a mental connection with your audience. And your audience can be members of your family. It can be members of your team. It could be uh, members of or people that you want to just persuade to act, to buy, to, to, to think, to do. And so I, it, I totally agree, Spencer. And I think an important component of all of this, not that we want to go too far down this rabbit hole of storytelling here, is, uh, you know, when we're doing this with the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, uh, we are doing it through interviews through video. Yeah. And the reason for this is a it is much faster for people to talk than it is for them to write. In fact, uh, what we have seen is that it's on the order of 30 times faster. So are you telling me telling stories is, is actually a productivity hack? It's a humongous productivity hack. All right. Then. It didn't used to be necessarily because um, there wasn't an easy way to consume the content and video that rather than just watch it through analog, you couldn't right. really search. Right. But now with automated transcription, uh, the the search features and tools are so advanced 
it's very easy to just go to write to something that you're very interested in, very specific topic. But if you think about this, the average person types about 40 words per minute, but that is if you are basically reading a document and typing what it says. Right. But if you are really thinking about composing something, if you're trying to compose uh, a, a document, it takes much longer to do that. Whereas speaking, and the average English speaker speaks 150 to 180 words per minute. And the reason that it takes, among other things, that it takes so long to do it in writing versus speaking is because when we are speaking, we are using things besides words to communicate our message. We are using the tone of our voice. We're using the velocity of it, uh, the volume of the, of the voice. We are using uh, intonations. We are using our... Uh, all kinds of nonverbal language like hand gestures and you know, the way our body moves. And when we try to put this in writing and describe how we're feeling, we have to decode everything that we would normally say with our hands or with the inflection in our voices. And we have to figure out how to say that in writing. And so it just takes a long time. Yeah, and then from the consumption standpoint, we're, we've been talking to each other you know, since we were little tiny kids, that's how we, and so from a consumption standpoint, just watching somebody speak, hearing all of the inflections in their voice, seeing the body language, uh, it's just a much richer experience than just simply writing. And I think that's one of the reasons why podcasts are so important. I, I, I want to share a little story. I was speaking with a, a CEO doing a coaching session. This was out of, uh, she was out of California and she was telling me just on this on this topic that she had just gone through a course at Stanford University on storytelling because uh, CEOs executives need to be very good at at telling stories now why to let me give you another example i just had i had several conversations with uh, potential new clients yesterday one of them was a company in michigan yesterday that i talked to They've been in business for many years, and since the pandemic, things have changed. This is a this is a company that actually does uh, inventory management for grocery and pharmacy, and um, uh, I, I so gosh, I, I'm going blank, but I mean, I'm just I'm just meeting them, and the turnover that they're having is extremely high since the the pandemic. And it, it, there's never been a, a need to have, you know, culture building within their team up until now. I mean, this is a company that the, the, the owner now started working at in 1998, and he's seen a, an enormous shift of how workers feel uh, about the work and, and the meaning and the purpose behind it. And so he started to work with a coach that I know uh, and created mission, vision, values, and now uh, he's got the people who are managing in the leadership role who've come from the old culture, who are not buying in to the, to the new culture. They're just like, we just, we just need to count stuff. We're just all about counting widgets. And yet they're struggling to, main, to, to retain and attract good workers because they have this old mentality. He's like, I need help to get their buy-in on these new cultural issues so that we can reduce our tone turnover, reduce the cost and make our lives a little bit easier and be a great place to work. 
how do I get my people to buy in? You think it's going to be data? You think it's going to be a PowerPoint show? It's, it's stories. It is, you know, what does this mean to them? How does this make their life easier? So being able to, to persuade and tell those stories will have a, an, an enormous impact on the success of this organization just by being able to do that. Well, I totally agree. And there's a story that is still being written and we don't know the end of it. Uh, there's, it's a story that uh, it may have had, it may have started during COVID, but COVID has really accelerated it. And it's our topic today, which is this whole work remotely, work in the office thing that goes down to the core of culture that you're talking about here, Spencer. Yeah, uh, I know that you're seeing it everywhere you go. It's on your mind. Uh, so why don't you kind of bring us into this, the discussion that we want to have today? Yeah. The remote work versus the in-person work versus how different generations may be viewing uh, remote versus uh, in-person. You know, it's, it, to me, it's interesting. I, I, my question is, who's driving the return to the office? And, you know, I think it's, a lot of people would say, well, it's obvious it's, it's employers. And we'll talk about that in a second. Yet, um, I, I'm getting confusing, uh, confusing reports. And this is why I want to talk about it. Because I know we've talked about remote versus hybrid work on, on our podcast before. But I, I, I want to talk about it at least this last time because I think it's so important. I have heard and, and, and read lots of experts, so-called experts. You know, we've talked about people like um, uh, author, oh my gosh, what's his name, who said, we, we just got to go back to the office. Um, Daniel it was Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. That's right. Malcolm Gladwell. You know, we just got to go back to the office. And yet he, a little hypocritically, works remotely, right? Um, we hear, you know, employers are taking advantage of their flexible schedules, but they want everybody to come back to, to the office because, so they have more control. And it is true, ever since the pandemic began, the employers that I've been talking to, major organizations, HR professionals, CEOs, executives, their big question is, are my people being productive? How do we make sure that they, if they're at home, they're not goofing off walking their dog? How do we make sure they're not you know, playing Frisbee golf instead of doing what I need them to do. And right now with, with potential downturn again in, in the economy, there is pressure to get people back to the office because like we've got to consolidate, we've got to, to be more productive. And employers who have been kind of punched around a bit by this quiet quitting, this great resignation by people just leaving are feeling like they have a little more power and authority now because some employees are nervous that they may lose their, their position. And so that's a, a little reversal that's happening. So I, I definitely see that there is pressure from, you know, the C-suite from, from employers. But my question is, what about the generations? What about who in the office wants to go back and who wants to go remote? And experts are saying that well, it's the it, it's our age, uh, Christian, that wants to work remotely. Why? Because we don't care about the relationships in the office. We we want to we have our families. We we have other outside interests. Um, we don't need as much mentoring and guidance. And so, a lot of our generation, Gen X and, and older, are like, hey, you know, heck, let's 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 work remotely. 
But then I hear other people say, no, it's the, it's the Gen Z, it's the, it's the millennials, it's the younger folks. They can work from anywhere. They want to work from, from anywhere. Um, then others will say, well, it's, it's our generation that wants to go back to the office. And then it's others that say, no, it's the Gen Z and the millennials because they need the camaraderie. They need the friendships. They need the, they need the mentoring. So my question is, is which is it? Who, who is it that wants to, to go to the office and who wants to work remotely in your experience? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's a one size fits all that all of the Gen Xers want to go back to the office and all the Gen Zers uh, want to work remotely or vice versa. Uh, I'm guessing that there's probably a mix in there. I know for me, I've been in the I've been remote since COVID hit, and uh, I've had a grand total of one opportunity in the Olympic space to actually work on site. Everything else has been remotely. I wouldn't mind actually going back to the quote unquote office a little bit more because I'm working 100%. But that's my own experience. Uh, I'm sure you know everyone's mileage may vary. So Christian, if if I am if I was your boss, how would I measure your productivity? How do what how do how would I know that you're being productive? Well, uh, if I were <laughs> if you were my boss, uh, you would have a statement of work from me, right? Which says, okay. I have these specific deliverables that are due on certain dates. And that means that my work doesn't really need to be managed day to day. I don't need anybody watching over my shoulder. I have weekly meetings where we discuss pro, uh, you know, progress and also identify and raise any issues uh, that may potentially impact our ability to hit those deadlines. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I'm judged by output which is reflected in a document. In this case, it's a statement of work, uh, which may be different than uh, a normal quote unquote employee, you know, that may not have a statement of work. They may have a, uh, a job uh, description <laughs> that has some things and they may have some, you know, they may have some items on a task list that they need to perform, which may be assigned by their manager, which needs to be tracked. Uh, but for me, it's all output driven. And I actually think, and we've talked about this many times before, uh, that's where management needs to head is <clears throat> looking at outputs and not so much as activity. Well, it, what's, what's interesting, there's a lack of trust still going on. And, and part of it is driven by, you know, new gadgets, uh, like the mouse jiggler. I don't know if you know what that is. But apparently there's a there's a, a tool that jiggles your mouse so that uh, it looks like you're online, even if you're not. You're walking your dog and people think, well, uh, you know, Spencer's at his computer because I see his mouse moving. But, but the tools like that send to signal, aha, see, they're looking for ways to to scam us, to, to, to avoid work. Yet I think that's old thinking because what if I am walking my dog? And I get the job done. It's it's the, the old mentality of our generation was we sit in an office from eight to five, and that's when we compress all of our work. The problem is life happens all throughout that eight to five time period. And if I am somebody who is focused on productivity and getting things done, I can actually match my schedule to my productive times and and produce that not in an eight to five schedule, but maybe I'm doing stuff throughout the day and I'm, and I'm getting that done. 
So we need to we need to get away from the the looking at just activities. Now, there is something to be said for in-person innovation. I just you know, you've got to do some of that together, collaboration meetings where we meet face to face. I just came back from uh, working with a major software developer and they have offices all over the world in every continent. Uh, you know, in the United States, they have about 10 offices and and this is a major software development team and uh, organization. And I worked with a specific team that is their client success team. And there are about 70, 60 to 70 of those. And for the first time since COVID, in two and a half years, last Friday was the first time they've all gotten together. So it's been, and they have an enormous campus. I mean, you go to the multiple buildings and they've got gyms and racquetball. And it's like going to Google campus. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And the parking lot is, on this day, was, you know, maybe half, half full. Because they're, they're normally not there. The offices are, are, are fairly empty. They're all working remote, and they are killing it. They're getting stuff done. Now, there are clients, construction clients, that you just got to be, you, you got to be on site. You can't, you can't do some jobs remotely. But I am seeing that there could be high, high, high productivity. We've got to adjust how we, how we manage and I, but I was still curious about this because I'm still confused about who wants to go back to the office and who wants to work. So I, I was giving a keynote in, in Oregon, and I actually, the night before, I put in a question. If, if you're listening live, I would love for you to, um, to take a poll with us and, and get out your phone because I'm going to, if you're watching this on LinkedIn or on Twitter or on um, YouTube, I'd love for you to take out your your phone and take a picture. Uh, we're going to do a live poll. And so let me, let me switch that here. Uh, let me go solo. And if you can see that, and, and if you want to, if you can't do that, make a comment, uh, in the, you know, in, in the, on LinkedIn, make a comment, ask your questions, uh, share how you feel about working remote or, or in the office. But I, I, I ask a question and it, you'll see it in a second. But this is the QR code that takes you to the, the online poll. You can just do that with your phone. It doesn't collect any information other than your response. And I'm going to switch so you can see what the, what the questions look like. So the question is, what is your preference for work uh, in the office versus remote? And I give you five choices. The choice is, number one... 100% working in the office. Choice number two, 75% in the office and 25% remote. Choice number three, 50% in the office, 50% remote. Choice number four, 75% in the office and 25% remote. And choice five, 100% remote. So, Christian, so, so far we've got one answer here, and it's 75% office and 25% remote. So this, this keynote had uh, quite a few registrants. What do you think, um, if you were to guess, what, what do you think the breakdown would be? These are, these are project managers, so let's call them mid to, to senior level managers. Uh, I would say it's hybrid, maybe 50-50. Interesting, Okay. I, and I'd love to hear what our what our uh, listeners hear, but this is this is the response. 
100% office, 3%. 3% of the, of, of the participants said uh, they only wanted to work in the office. 75% office and 25% remote, 9% of people. 50-50, that's the one you think would be the biggest? 9%. Wow. <laughs> I missed that one. Me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, remote 75, office 25, 37%. The number one answer, remote 100% was 43%. 43% saying, just, just let me work remote. And the, the challenge that we're having, as I said, is that the pressure for employers right now to, to, to the, you know, the move was let's get everybody back in the office by Labor Day. And I, I think some of those employers are, are backing, you know, backing that off a little bit. But what I am seeing is, is that, you know, maybe two days a week, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're in the office or I don't know, but Monday and Friday, you're at home. You have that freedom. You have that flexibility. We've just got to figure out how to to change the mindset that we focus on, as you said, productivity, that we focus on um, how do we create those opportunities for development and mentoring because we do need that face-to-face time to be able to coach and help and develop. Doing that remotely is a lot harder, although I do 100% of my coaching like this on, on camera. So it can be done. It just takes a very, you know, very intentional time. Having that remote time is nice for our employees, but it's really important that we get together occasionally. So be so smart about it. And um, when you have people in the office, make sure that you're planning. This is my, these are my suggestions, that you are planning time to use their, 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 their time wisely. So here's a couple of suggestions I've come up with, Christian, to uh, to really make that in-office time valuable. Foster team connection. Provide opportunities for teammates to engage and share and discuss work and topics unrelated to the workplace. Why? Because we want them to feel connected. The reason they're coming in the office is to build relationships that they can trust each other and reach out when they have problems and challenges. And sometimes you know, that's hard to do when you're just focused on problems all the time. You need to be able to, uh, we need to know about each other, right? How can I care about you if I don't know what's going on in your life? So sometimes we need to have activities that talk about something other than work. And then the goal for some meetings or connects can be interaction related versus just production related. Well, again, some people say, well, what's the point of that? We need to be counting widgets. Yes, but we also need the people that are counting those widgets to, to know they have a purpose, that they, they have an impact, that they are cared for and cared about. Uh, you're, if you're working remotely, be very careful about forgetting about your people. It's easy to do. I mean, I have a, 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 a team member in the Philippines, and I have to be very intentional about reaching out because it's easy to just let them do their, their thing. But your employees need you-focused time. They need one-on-one time with you. Schedule that. Don't take it for granted that they're just being productive. Even your best employees, if you're not getting FaceTime with them, 
the chances of them looking for another opportunity go way up. Connect with them. Spend time with them. Have walking meetings when you're in the office. If you're if you're too busy, just you know do check ins and uh, on in person days, and then you can have open slots on your schedule for the uh, quote unquote office hours, right? So that you can have those drop in conversations, and then encourage team members to communicate with each other about their hybrid schedules, so that they can um, you can coordinate and be as efficient and effective when everyone's in the office. Uh, find a day or two when the majority of people's schedules overlap and encourage others to prioritize that on-site work for that day. So if you need to do some things that require collaboration and input, I mean, that was the whole idea of the Google uh, Lunchroom, right, was to get cross-departmental uh, uh, conversations going. We need that in, in, in our work, and so you need to plan and schedule for that. And be intentional about having lunch together, about or having coffee when people are in the office, and do that virtually. I have a, a client, Christian, that is uh, really good about that. They have, their team's all over the world, but when they have lunch, they'll send a, a pizza or a sandwich to their to their team member so they can have lunch with them. You know, even though they're in different time zones, they're just they're eating together on camera. But you know, those are some things that I think are are helpful in managing your your in person versus remote thoughts comments. Uh, I do have a thought or maybe a couple, uh, number one, if, if people genuinely enjoy working remotely more than in person, then the in-person work should really be reserved for this kind of collaboration, this integration, this, uh, working together, spending time together. Because if you're just going to have people come into the office and they just go sit in their individual cubicles. What's the point? You know, so I think, as you mentioned, you got to be very intentional. It's going to require some planning and organization on the part of the leadership to make sure that the time together is used wisely, uh, that we don't just go there and do the same things that we were doing remotely, because then you're just going to be angry that you're there because you'll be thinking to yourself, I could have done this at home. Why did I have to go get in my car and sit in traffic for 40 minutes? To come here and do the stuff that I could have done at home, you know. So I think, uh, you know, we've we've got to be we've got to be smart or smarter about how we work together when we are together, uh, and how we play together when we are together. You know, uh, all part as you as you mentioned of establishing that culture. Hey Spencer, you're muted. That hasn't uh, that that's never fun to hear. In in you know, that that's that's a, a statement that we uh, all like. Oh, you're on mute. I'm, I'm trying to keep the sound nice. Anyway, you know, we get to ensure the policies that that our company has and practices really demonstrate the fact that our organization values productive relationships and friendships in the workplace. Because, you know, when we have someone, I mean, Christian, I mean, I, I always look forward to these, these times that I have with you. I mean, I consider you a friend. And, and 
you know, I look for opportunities to promote your business and, and because of, of the trust that I have for you. When we trust people, we reach out to, to them and say, hey, you know, um, I mean, I just got two referrals this week from a friend and client of mine. That's what friendships and relationships can can do for us. And it can and the same is true in the workplace. When we have problems or challenges to to solve, who do we go to? If we're going to someone outside the organization. That's okay, but wouldn't it be great if we have people inside the organization that we can turn to uh, as well for for those for those helps, for those conversations? That, that help us to move forward. Anyway, I, I think this is something that's worth spending a little extra time that, that we had. And, uh, you know, we, we need to be intentional about the time that we spend in the office. We need to be, I, I think, a couple of takeaways from today. Be intentional about the time you have in the office. And so that, that means more planning and not just haphazardly saying you're going to be in the office two days a week. Schedule certain activities, as you said, that can only be done in the office. Schedule social events when we're all together. Make use of that time, the highest use of that time. And then measure productivity versus activity. What else did you hear from today? It's uh, Well, that's, that's the big message. And I, what, what I heard was, the, for me, the surprising uh, results of your survey. It's not Which just is, the younger generation that wants to work remotely. It's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and really that comes down to what are we looking for out of out of work, you know? And, yeah. and uh, we were having a conversation uh, uh, I don't know if it was with you or with somebody else uh, um, a few weeks ago about what are we looking for and you know the number the number one thing now is this freedom, this ability to kind of do what we need to do when we need to do it and do what we want when we want to do it. The number two thing was the opportunity for mastery. So, you know, being able to to learn and develop uh, in my career the knowledge and the expertise that I that I feel that I need, so that I can actually feel like I'm making a difference. And then, you know, compensation was was uh, down that list. And so, uh, you know, this this freedom, this this idea of freedom, uh, having a little bit of control over your own own life is is very important. I think it's manifested in the statistics, manifested in the results of the survey that you conducted with your with your client. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. Well, so for me, that's that's it. And if, if you're listening to this with you know with with a team, just be very, very smart about how you are engaging in and if you're if you're being too belligerent about being back in the office, it'll probably have a consequence that you're not gonna love spencer i really appreciate you bringing this to our attention once more and you do some so much great work with your clients and uh, they're very very fortunate to have you assisting them through these challenging times but if those who are listening if they are interested in learning more about how you might be able to help uh, them uh, to develop uh, high performing teams in their organization or or you know, develop as leaders themselves, what's the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? You know what? Thank you. I, I get a lot of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn. I love that. Just Spencer Horn, uh, Altium Leadership. You can see uh, that I'm pretty active on LinkedIn or go to our website. 
I had this client yesterday scope me out on on the on the website. And he's like, it's all about fixing his broken team. So that really that really stood out to him as that's a big part of what what we do, and we help fix team performance. And this is a team performance issue, and that's one of the reasons why we need to you know we really need to get it right. Uh, for our for our team's sakes and, and our organization's sakes. And I, I want, my biggest thing is I want people's lives to be a little bit easier. The problems are not going to get smaller. The problem is that I see is we make our problems bigger and more challenging because we don't address them well. We don't deal with them well. But if we have the tools to to address the challenges, then the problems that are so big are manageable. And so reach out to me on altiumleadership.com. And Christian, I know storytelling is such has such a huge impact and and I'm so excited for the the work that you're doing uh, all over the world. You're you're joining me. We're going to be going to Lebanon and Cyprus very very soon and share with them the story of storytelling. How can people reach you? Uh, thank you, Spencer. Likewise, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Just look up Christian Napier on LinkedIn, or you can uh, visit our website, raconto.io. It's R-A-K-O-N-T-O.io. Or you can email me, Christian at raconto.io. Spencer, it's great to see you. It's a wonderful way to end the month of September, and I look forward to connecting with you and our guests soon. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.